0: Hello and welcome so beautiful. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm your host Lindsay, and I am very excited today to have as my guest Jeremiah Kaufman. He is a writer and playwright, currently based out of Kansas City, but I am delighted to hear a little bit about his story and what inspires him. And so thank you so much, Jeremiah, for being here today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Of
0: course. Well, I would love if you would share with our audience just a little bit about who you are as an artist, as a person, and even maybe how you got into what you do.
1: I live here in Kansas City, and my day job, I teach deaf children. But I, I've been writing for, for just years, and most of my writing, I'm trying to express ideas that I think it's important for people to, to experience and hopefully internalize. So I, I teach during the day, but summer but evenings and summers, weekends I'm writing. I've written a number of plays, one of what, actually I've written about six plays, one of which has been produced last summer, and I'm currently producing um, another play which is scheduled to be performed in July. But right now, of course, everything is really iffy. It may turn out to be a strictly online production, but we'll see. I live with five cats, and I just try to express myself through my writing. Yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: Yeah. So So what got you into writing in the first place? What kind of jump-started that?
1: Books, probably. My family. So I have a poet. I mean, excuse me. I have an aunt who is a poet and she was kind of famous in her day. Her name was Elsie Melchert Fowler. So I knew I had that background and my grandfather was an avid book collector and so I was always surrounded by books and so he was when I was when I was a toddler, when I was little, he was always reading to me and so I developed a a, a love of reading. And so I decided probably early on when I was in college that I wanted to be a writer. And so I would go to the library to do my homework and end up just reading books and then regretting it later. But so I was always enthralled by books, always enthralled by writing. And so I have sort of a literary artistic background. I have an uncle who's an artist, a great, great uncle who's a a noted artist. And so I think it was a combination of my background and my grandparents sort of fostering a love of reading and writing and books and 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 then the need to tell a story. I've always needed to tell stories, and I wanted to get stories out. And also inspired by other artists, such as my, as I said, my aunt and my uncle, and Vincent Van Gogh was another example. So it's a combination of just my upbringing, my surroundings, and the influence of other artists. And it's kind of hard to pin down because I grew up surrounded by art, but I guess I mentioned Vincent Van Gogh. My grandmother loved him, and so I was exposed to his art pretty early on, and my mother hated him and said that he was crazy and. I thought, well, here's this dichotomy, there's just this this contrast here. That my grandmother just loves him and my mother can't stand him. And so that intrigued me as a kid. I'm like, how could this be? How could somebody elicit such strong reaction such strong contrasting reactions from two different people? And my grandmother and my mother had very personal different personalities. My mother was my mother was kind of distant she had a difficult time expressing love and my grandmother was the opposite she was very warm and very embracing and the interesting thing about that is van gogh his mother was very distant and cold also and but he loved very deeply and i think that's kind of where my um grandmother and van gogh kind of connected they both loved very deeply and it was just a very intriguing story that just got me Really interested in art because his art was very moving and he, and he used art to communicate in the way I use writing to communicate. And so that, that's just one little story from my background that got me, I suppose, thinking about art at a deeper level than just saying, oh, there's a pretty picture. But understanding who the artist was and what went into it and why they painted that and why one person loves it and another person can't stand it and so forth.
0: In fact, it's so much richer if you learn what's behind it. And and I, I love that you had that moment of realizing that your mom and your grandma had such different opinions on the same person. And why why was that? That's, that's really neat.
1: Yeah. And actually, if you don't mind my interrupting you, Van Gogh, one of the things that he always wanted to know just as much as the painting itself. You wanted to know who painted it and who what they were like and so who created the painting was just as interesting and as important as the painting itself.
0: Sort of with Bingo, and then you mentioned that there were other you know, artists was really in your blood, your family is so deeply artistic and creative. Were there other people that inspired you or encouraged you along your writing journey?
1: Well there's a whole host of writers I've always enjoyed reading. Some of whom, like in terms of like literary inspiration, in terms of other novelists and storytellers, I found a lot of inspiration from Mark Twain, Henry James, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Andre Gide, and just it's a really long list. Yeah, I was inspired by a lot of um of literary writers artists also kind of inspired i thought it was awesome that my grandfather's uncle his name is his name is ernest melchert we call him uncle earn and he was an etchist he did dry point etching prints and i just thought it was amazing that this man had so much out there and he he had a day job too he worked for a paper company and in chicago and but he was constantly producing art I mean, it it was an obsession with him almost. And so he has art and you know, the Art Institute in Chicago and the Library of Congress and the Smithsonian and their collections. And I thought that was very inspiring. So I thought this man, he put his heart into this and he worked really hard and he was able to share it with other people. And that was inspiring. It isn't like, I don't have to just sit in my room and just scribble some stuff out and no one ever sees it again never, never sees it. I thought, if I work really hard, people can experience my art. And so he actually sort of inspired me to actually keep working at it and and make the effort to share it with other people. Jose Faust is an artist here in Kansas City and a writer, and he, he encouraged me to keep writing and sharing my writing. And Eve Ott is a local area writer, and she encouraged me to to write and share. Both of them are very successful writers. And uh, Sharon Eicher is another local writer and jazz singer. And she also encouraged me. So there's a number of local writers who sort of mentored me, especially Eva. I consider her one of my closest and most endearing mentors. So once you're interested in something, you know, get a, find a local mentor who can continue to encourage you and work with you.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Having, having the support of local artists who maybe are a little further into their career and who can help guide and direct and make good suggestions, that's really important and helpful. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great that you have that here. So when you first produced, which was last summer, how was that? I mean, did that feel really good? Was it Scary? Was it, you know, what were the emotions that you went through when you actually did put your work out there into a play for the first time that other people would be able to go and see? I experienced a whole range of emotions from terror, fear, doubt, self doubt,
1: to excitement, hope, you know, I guess the fear of, you know, will this work out, you know, or will it be a failure, which, you know, was constantly constantly trying to beat down with the excitement that someone's actually going to see something and experience something that I've I've written um, and hopefully move them. So when I did this, I didn't want to just entertain. I wanted to move the audience. I wanted to change, basically change their perspective, maybe even their lives. So it was just a constant tug of war between my fears and my hopes and aspirations. And ultimately, most of the time, I was very hopeful, but it was also stressful because, you know, I was also directing and producing. And so there's the stress of the business end of it, then there's the stress of the directing end of it. But in the end, I think it worked out. Yeah, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. You can't give up. You can't, you can't say to yourself, I can't do this. Because once you say that, it's a slippery, start saying that, it's a slippery slope.
0: Right. When you finished the project, did you feel that you came out with more confidence to be able to do it again?
1: Yeah, that's why doing it again, because I did, I, I developed some confidence and confidence can come. You know, you can see your product, your play and say, wow, that was great. But it always helps to have another set of eyes, which is what an audience is. And so some of that confidence also comes from when people say, you know, I like what you did. I think you should do something else. I mean, do something in addition. So, so yeah, I, I came out more confident, partially because I got to see what I had written, performed. And then also because other people encouraged me, audience members, festival coordinators, directors, other critics. So, and if you don't put yourself out there, you won't have the opportunity to get feedback from anybody. Feedback is sometimes negative, but it's also positive. And so if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never get that positive feedback. Be scared and just try it because you might be surprised at how well it comes out. Or you might be surprised at how, even if it doesn't come out the way you want to, there'll be somebody there who says, try again.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And having that feedback is so valuable so that you can go back and make changes so that the next time you produce, it gets just a little bit better every single time. And if I could
1: jump in, Please. I'd say that when a critic evaluates your work and it's not always positive, don't take that personally. A professional critic will be very professional and they'll say, this is what went well. This is what didn't go well and what needs to be what needs to be modified or changed or developed further and take that seriously. Most critics aren't going to be hateful. So that's why you want to put yourself out there. So you can have people, both audience members and critics, give you some feedback. And even if it's not positive, that should give you the motivation. or gives me the motivation to try again and see if I can do a better job the second time around
0: it's easier to take things to heart than it is to pick it apart a little bit and go, okay, this is the feedback that's really valuable to me. And not to get discouraged by somebody who doesn't quite understand what you're going for. But what's great about even that is then you get to find out what didn't translate very well to the audience. And that's invaluable for you to know. I mean, that was something Mm -hmm. that happened for me early on is learning that there were aspects of what I was producing that people just didn't understand. And so I had to really make sure that I was communicating that much more effectively. So it is Mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. So what uh, advice would you have for somebody who's maybe just starting out or really nervous about taking, say something that they've been doing, themselves for themselves primarily and putting it out in the world for the first time
1: well choose something that is meaningful to you and you're passionate about okay so so we write lots of stuff as writers and sometimes we're passionate about it and sometimes it's just an exercise but one select something that you're passionate about and then have other people read it just be brave and just have other people read it or have them read a variety of things that they're pas- that you're passionate about. And then the one that seems to really engage people, really hook them. And I, by the way, have stage fright, and I, I don't like public speaking, and it scares the heck out of me. But then take the next step after you have colleagues or friends or family read your work, then do a public reading. And there's lots of places where you can do public readings. they in, in Kansas City, we have something called the Writer's Place, And you can go to these events at these or bookstores or jazz clubs or whatever, but you have reading, so read it. And that does two things one, it gets you used to performing in front of a group or having your work performed, and it also allows you to receive feedback. The other thing I suggest is that you, when you're writing something that you're really passionate about, hire somebody or find somebody to do a cover for it. And so whether it's a short story or a play or a novel, find somebody who can do what would ultimately be a book cover or a promotional cover for your writing. Each of my plays, I've done a cover. I've, I've, I have a, a graphic artist that I've used. His name is Josiah Scott. He's also my editor. And uh, he just comes up with these wonderful covers. What's important about that is when you see the cover of your story or your play or maybe even a performance piece, suddenly it comes alive it's like wow this is real this is this is it i'm actually doing this and it it can inspire you to keep working on it and developing it and then i would also suggest getting involved in or or i said joining different organizations writing organizations and finding out who the publishers are and what they're seeking and don't ever submit something to a publisher that doesn't match what they're looking for. So if it says we're looking for stories with female characters from diverse cultural backgrounds, or we're looking for stories about LGBTQ characters, or or, we're looking for fan fiction for kids, don't send them something that doesn't fit that category, but instead focus on whatever you're, category is focus on those publishers and send it and and you will be rejected multiple times but just keep sending sending and sending and sending and sending and sending and follow the directions if they say what size font to use use that font it's kind of like grant writing i've done grant writing in my job and when the grant writer said this is the format you should be following this is the topic this is the size of your font do it Yeah, you're going to get rejection, but just keep doing it because ultimately you won't be rejected. Um, But if you get rejected and you say, I can't do it, well, then, you know, you'll end up, well, it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I don't know how many times J.K. Rowling submitted Harry Potter. It was rejected repeatedly, but she kept doing it. And, And her story isn't unique. It's just, that's just the way it is. So I suppose that's some advice. I guess the last piece of advice is just... Write about what your passions are. Write about what you're passionate about. Write about what you feel deeply about. Because that's where your energy will come from. And and that's what will produce your best work.
0: Yes. Great advice. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I hope so.
0: So I just have a couple questions that I'd like to ask my guests, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. So how do you personally define art or what is art to you?
1: Wow, I've never been asked that question before. Oh man. But what is art? I guess art is any creative process to produce something that's meaningful to the artist and they want to share with other people. And I don't really I don't think there are any boundaries to what art is. There are no limitations. And if you produce a sculpture or a performance, choreograph, performance, a play, whatever, or a painting, and someone says, oh, that's not art. If you say it's art because the creative expression of what you're trying to share of others, then it is art. So I'm not one that looks at a particular, you know, like painting, you know. All right. So somebody paints hyper-realistic babies or or cat- kittens. And someone says, yeah, that's art because it's hyper-realistic. But the abstract painting that somebody did, that's not art. That is not true. The abstract painting is just as much art as the cute little kittens. It's just art is the expression of creativity. That's all it is. I don't think we should pigeonhole art. Mm. Art's anything that elicits emotion from both the artist and the viewer. It's something that both entertains and teaches. And it's something that can be used to make our lives better. It can be something that improves our society or just makes us happy or just helps us feel better about ourselves or helps us, gives us comfort when we, we need comfort or gives us inspiration when we need to be inspired. And if it affects and produces a whole range of emotions. And I think that if there's an emotional response, then that's also art.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you think is the most important role of an artist?
1: I can't speak for all artists, but for a lot of us, the role of an artist is to, to move people and to hopefully elicit inspire some kind of change in others, some kind of, so, all right, you know, it could be producing positive change in society. So the role of the artist might be, of some artists might be, let's take the, the novels that were written about the canneries and the meatpacking plants. That was a form of art, but it was designed to move people to make change and make positive change in society. The role of the artist is to entertain. The role of the artist is to help other people love more deeply, to feel more deeply, to elicit joy, to elicit critical thinking, to encourage people to also become artists. See, if I'm writing and I don't inspire anyone else to write, then what was what's the point? You know, I hope that as a writer, I inspire other people to write. So an artist is also someone who whose role is to encourage the continuation of art.
0: Okay. And I have one final question for you. And okay. that is, do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And I'll define my terms there. So in- sure. inclusive, meaning that when the artist creates their work, they do give some context behind it. So they might say what inspired it or what they were going through at the time. You just sort of know a little bit more of the background versus exclusive being that the artist puts their work out there and just lets their viewers experience it and take what they will without having context.
1: I don't see anything wrong. If someone wants to be inclusive, that's their choice but I don't think it's required because I think one of the awesome things, one of the really cool things about art is that it's kind of fun. And it's also, I think good for people to look at art and to, to, to critically look at it, not critically in whether good, bad, but critically evaluate it in a way that gets them thinking about what was the artist thinking. See, we want our minds to be active. We want our minds to be deeply engaged. And if we're, looking at art, and we don't have that background, it forces us to really look at it and think about it and ponder it and and try to understand it. And it really does help develop a level of higher order thinking skills. And in our society, we really need people with good, with very effective, higher order cognitive thinking skills. And art can get us there. And I don't, so I don't think it needs to be inclusive. Um, Sure. The backstory is great, but I also really don't mind and enjoy looking at art and trying to just, you know, experience whatever I feel at the moment and experience maybe what the artist wanted me to feel, but didn't, but didn't explicitly tell me. And in some sense, isn't it kind of like a spoiler when they, like a movie and they say, This is what happens at the end. Well, the artist says, Well, this is what I'm trying it's kind of spoils it, doesn't it? You want to go through the same creative process or a similar creative process as the artist. Mm.
0: I like that perspective. And I have not heard it put this way yet, but I really liked what you said about by not having the context, we can go along on that creative journey with our viewers or, or with the artist. And so yeah, I really appreciate that perspective. Thank you.
1: Well, thank thank you because I've never – that is really a new question for me. One of the things is as a teacher, I'm trying to teach my kids mm-hmm. higher higher level thinking skills, higher order thinking skills. Yeah. And I think art can get us there.
0: I agree. Well, thank you so much again, Jeremiah, for sharing your perspective on art and kind of all of your inspiration and advice. I certainly appreciate it. I know our listeners do too. And is there a way for us to be able to connect with you if any of our listeners are interested in seeing one of your plays or, you know, learning more about about what you do?
1: You know, I'm open to meeting with anybody, getting to know people. I'm an introvert, but when it comes to art, I tend to enjoy... Connecting with other people because art is such an important part of our culture. And it's a necessary part of our culture. It's a necessary part of the human experience. So they can email me. You have my email address, right? I sure do. do. I respond to all emails that I see.
0: Okay, well, thank you again so much, Jeremiah. And thank you to all of you listeners who have listened to this episode. And if it has left you as inspired as it has for me, I would love for you to share it with a friend or two. And we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been